Welcome to Shipwreck Sunday, where we investigate disasters at sea and the impact that they have on the world today. My name is Eleanor. Today, we will be discussing the sinking of SS Arandora Star, a Blue Star Line ship sunk off the coast of Ireland in 1940. Before we dive in, I must inform you. This story does include details of a maritime disaster resulting in the loss of a vessel, wartime violence, Nazism, and death that may be disturbing to some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Please note before we begin that I am not a mariner or expert in the field of maritime history, but I have done my research and will present the information as I understand it and with accurate nautical terminology. In today's episode, I will be including the basics of nautical terminology in the description for anyone who needs it. Today there will be some terms in the German language in which I am not fluent, but I will do my best to give accurate pronunciations. For starters, shout out to Brian Cronin here on YouTube for suggesting we cover SS Arandora Star. We really appreciate your support and are excited to cover this wreck. We hope to do it justice for you and the victims and survivors. And shipwreckers, if there is a wreck you would like to hear from us, let us know down in the comment section. We need to get something else out of the way. A lot of you probably heard that introduction and thought, there's a blue star line too? And yes, there is. There's the White Star Line, famous for the Titanic, the Belgian-American joint venture of the Red Star Line, and the Blue Star Line that we'll be discussing today. Blue Star Line was a British passenger and cargo shipping company that was formed in 1911 and being sold to P&O Ned Lloyd in 1997, which is now Maersk Line out of Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Some butchers out of Liverpool, the Vesti brothers, formed Blue Star Line first as an initiative. They'd already founded the Union Cold Storage Company and a large importation business that shipped frozen meat from South America to Britain, initially from Argentina on ships in the Royal Mail Steam Packet Company's fleet, as well as a few others from other shipping lines berthed in South American ports. Due to the high prices of shipping, the Vesti brothers decided to start owning their own vessels. In 1904, they started chartering ships, eventually having the funds to buy their own vessels in 1909 and forward. Their vessels first were prefixed Broad, for example, Broadfield, Broadholm, and Broadland. Their ships were easily identifiable by their colors. The hulls were either black or black with a white band, with the keel being red and white superstructure. The smokestacks were their most unique and interesting features. They were painted red, with a black top that had a narrow white and black band, and in the center of the red backdrop was a white circle and five-pointed blue star. The company started off by supplying beef to the Allied forces in France during World War I, expanding this venture after the war's cessation on November 11, 1918. After this, the company changed their naming format. Now everything would have the suffix star, starting with the launching of Royal Star in 1919. The company continued to expand through the 1920s and 1930s, acquiring the Frederick Leyland and Company in 1935 and running it as a subsidiary to their company. They also expanded into passenger transport, ordering ships in 1925, starting with five 12,900 gross register ton ocean liners built in 1926 to 1927 for the new London to Rio de Janeiro to Buenos Aires route. John Brown and Company of Clydebank, Scotland, the builders for many Cunarders, built two ships, Avalona and Avala. The three others were built by Camel Laird of Birkenhead, England, Almeida, Andalusia, and finally, Arandora. 
The Quintet was called the Luxury Five, with all of them having refrigerated cargo holds to also be able to transport frozen meat along with their passengers. And with the introduction of the Luxury Five, brings us back to Arandora Star. SS Arandora Star was built in yard number 921 at the Camel Laird and Company shipyard, being launched on January 4, 1927, and being completed in May of that year. She displaced 12,847 gross registered tons until after her refit into a cruise ship in 1929, when they reduced the cargo space, where she would then displace 14,694 gross registered tons. She was 512.2 feet long, had a beam of 68.3 feet wide, and a height of 34 feet tall before the refit, 42.5 feet tall after the refitting. She spanned seven decks with a capacity for 164 first-class passengers, and after the refit, she could accommodate 354 first-class passengers. You heard right, dear listeners. She was a luxury liner only for the first class. Her hull was white with a scarlet ribbon running down her side, her keel being painted red, and two of the classic funnels of the Blue Star Line. And because of this look, she had two loving nicknames, the Wedding Cake and the Chocolate Box. And you know a ship is awesome when she gets a nickname related to any kind of cake, and wedding cake is the best kind. Her nicknames weren't the only thing that was impressive. She was propelled by four steam turbines, single reduction geared onto two propeller shafts. With this, she was able to have a service speed of 16 knots. For cruising, that's a perfect speed. She was designed as an oil-burning ship, but she also had coal bunkers. As Arandora, she passed her sea trials without incident, and in 1927, she started serving the London to South America route, though we were unable to find the date of her maiden voyage. By December of 1928, she'd completed eight round trips and was withdrawn from her liner role, being taken in early January 1929 to the Fairfield Shipbuilding and Engineering Company in Glasgow, Scotland, for her refitting into a cruise liner, with the work being completed May 25, 1929. At this point, she was renamed SS Arandora Star. Her sisters would go through similar name changes and refits, being called the SS Avalona Star, SS Alameda Star, SS Avala Star, and SS Andalusia Star. Keep in mind her sister ships, they're important to her story later. On June 15, 1929, she sailed from Immingham in the United Kingdom in Norwegian waters for the first of many cruises in this area. She was also equipped with a tennis court just after her funnels on the boat deck, and a swimming pool was installed in the after well deck, which is a lower deck fore and aft, typically on the main deck level. For the next decade or so, there aren't exact dates available to us, she cruised in many locations. This included Iceland, Norway, Java, Malaya, Ceylon, South Africa, Egypt, the West Indies, Panama, Cuba, Florida, the Northern Capitals, and the Caribbean, Mediterranean, and Pacific Ocean. She went all over the world, serving her passengers dutifully and became beloved by many. This is when she received her decadent nicknames. In 1936, SS Arandora Star would be refitted once more. In this refit, her main mast was removed and the accommodations were extended to the poop deck. In 1937, Blue Star Line Limited transferred ownership of SS Arandora Star to their subsidiary, Frederick Leyland & Company Limited, with Blue Star Line acting as managers. The ship at this time was reclassified and re-registered. As we all know by now, World War II broke out September 1st, 1939, and when this happened, Arandora Star was en route to New York City from Cherbourg. 
She went from New York City to Halifax, Nova Scotia, where she was joined by the very first HX series convoy, Convoy HX-1, back to Britain. By the end of September, she was requisitioned and assessed by the Admiralty at Darmouth, Devon, England. There, it was decided she was not suited to become an armed merchant cruiser like RMS Empress of Britain was. Instead, she was ordered in December 1939 to Avonmouth, where she would be fitted with the Admiralty Net Defense Anti-Torpedo System. This consisted of underwater wire mesh suspended from booms on either side of the ship. After she was fitted, she spent three months at Portsmouth testing various gauges of nets in the English Channel. On tests, the system was surprisingly successful at catching torpedoes, and it only reduced her speed by one knot. In March of 1940, the ship was off to Devonport, and there the equipment was removed. She then made her way to Liverpool, awaiting orders. On May 30, 1940, she left Liverpool for Norway in order to assist in evacuating Allied troops. She sailed without an escort to Harstad, Norway, and there she embarked roughly 1,600 personnel. Most of them were members of the Royal Air Force, though some were Polish and French troops as well. She left Harstad with her passengers on June 7, 1940, taking them to Glasgow, Scotland, where they disembarked. On the 14th of June, she left Glasgow for Brest in Brittany, a peninsula in the west of modern France. Here, she was to rescue troops and refugees as part of Operation Ariel. Operation Ariel was the evacuation of Allied forces and civilians from ports in western France from June 15th to 25th of 1940. The evacuation followed the Allied military collapse in the Battle of France against Nazi Germany. Another ship we previously covered, RMS Lancastria, was also participating in Operation Ariel, where she would be sunk by Luftwaffe aircraft at port, killing an estimated 7,000 people. As SS Arendora Star was trying to reach port, the constant Luftwaffe attacks on the port and town made it impossible for her to enter, only 12 refugees managing to get out by ferry to Arendora Star. She escaped with the help of a destroyer, which was providing anti-aircraft cover and came under heavy air attack herself. She took her dozen refugees to Foulmouth Cornwall, and there she bunkered down. After this, she went on to Kirberian Bay on the Bay of Biscay, where she evacuated roughly 300 people from St. Nazaire on June 17th. Sources disagree on where she took the refugees, but it was either Falmouth or Plymouth. Although her trip to St. Nazaire was uneventful, on that faithful day on June 17th, RMS Lancastria would be sunk with all of her refugees and personnel aboard her. SS Arendora Star's next trip to France was to the southwest of the country, near the border of Spain, and there she found the city of Bayonne, France, under a heavy Luftwaffe attack, with the sound of bullets whizzing through the air filling everyone's ears. With the assistance of a destroyer, she managed to pick up around 500 people who were adrift on an overloaded small craft off the beach. She took these refugees off to Falmouth and then returned to Bayonne for more. She entered St. Jane de Luz to rescue some Polish troops who were trapped, and she embarked roughly 1,700 refugees and troops, including Polish staff. She left in the nick of time with Luftwaffe aircraft swooping in to bomb the town. As she escaped to Liverpool, the whistling of bombs and explosions could be heard behind her. Her next voyage would unfortunately be her last. Her task was to transport Italian and German internees who'd been detained under Defense Regulation 18B, as well as German POWs to Canada. While berthed in Liverpool from June 27th to the 30th, 
She embarked 734 Italian men, 479 interned German men, 86 German POWs, and 200 military guards tasked with guarding these interned prisoners. Her master was Captain Edgar Wallace Moulton, and he was joined by a crew of 174 officers and men. She was heading for St. John's, Newfoundland, and the internees were destined for Canadian internment camps. Internment is the imprisonment of people, usually in large number, without charges or in the intent to file charges, typically during wartime, and often these prisoners are put in camps away from the general population. Now, sources once again disagree on some information here. They disagree on whether she left Liverpool on June 30th, 1940, or at 4 a.m. on July 2nd of 1940. Either way, she sailed unescorted. Early in the morning of July 2nd, 1940, around 6.15 a.m., she was believed to be roughly 75 miles west of Bloody Foreland, Ireland. If you remember from last week, this is very close to where Empress of Britain was as well. At this location, SS Arandora Star was torpedoed by U-47, commanded by Gunder Prien. Though Prien initially thought this torpedo was a dud, it exploded on the starboard side of Arandora Star, immediately flooding the after engine room. I do have to put a quick note in here. Many times in our research for the sinking, researchers have disagreed on details of this tragedy. Though most sources say the ship was struck by a torpedo on July 2nd around 6 a.m., I have found at least one source claiming it was July 3rd, 1940 at 6.45 a.m., but I cannot confirm this information, so we'll be going with what the majority says, July 2nd, 1940, early in the morning. After the torpedo exploded, all of the engine room personnel, including two engineer officers, were killed immediately. Her engine room staff weren't the only things destroyed immediately. Her turbines, main generators, and emergency generators were put out of action, and this caused the ship to go into a full blackout. No lights, no communications, no power. Chief Officer Frederick Brown relayed the ship's position to the radio officer, who was able to transmit a distress signal, and at 7.05 a.m., the Mallon Head radio acknowledged the message and retransmitted it to Land's End and Port Patrick. SS Arandora Star carried 14 lifeboats and 90 life rafts, but after the attack, one of the starboard lifeboats was blown to smithereens and it disabled the davits and falls of a different lifeboat. Two other lifeboats were damaged during their launch and proved useless because of this. The remaining crew was able to successfully launch the remaining 10 lifeboats and more than half of the available life rafts, with some of the lifeboats being overloaded with prisoners that climbed down the falls and side ladders but many of the Italian prisoners were scared to leave the vessel. At least four of the remaining lifeboats were launched with very few survivors aboard. Another lifeboat got swamped by scared prisoners and survivors, sinking shortly after being launched because of the excess weight. Say what we will of the Nazis, they performed horrific deeds, often acting blindly on orders, but we do have to acknowledge the bravery of one particular German prisoner aboard SS Arandora Star. This internee was Captain Otto Bernfeind, and he'd been captured after scuttling his ship, the SS Adolf Warman. Bernfeind stayed on board SS Arandora Star, organizing the evacuation calmly up until she sank. He was lost to the sea after this. We can fault the Nazis, but as of the sinking, I find Otto Bernfeind to have acted bravely, heroically, and honorably. This is purely based on my knowledge of the sinking. I do not know how he acted during the other part of his wartime service in the German Navy. The ship listed even further to starboard, and at 7.15 a.m., Captain Moulton and his senior officers walked over the side of the ship into the rising water, leaving behind many scared Italians. 
At 7.20 a.m., the ship rolled over, with her bow rising high into the air and sinking by the stern. 805 people were killed, including Captain Moulton, 42 of his crew, 12 of his officers, and 37 of the 200 military guards. After counting up the victims myself, I estimate roughly 450 of the 800 lost were of Italian descent, but this is only of the 636 people that were found, and the list is incomplete, so take this calculation with a grain of salt. Sergeant Norman Price was quoted as saying this about the sinking. Quote, I could see hundreds of men clinging to the ship. They were like ants, and then the ship went up at one end and slid rapidly down, taking the men with her. Many men had broken their necks jumping or diving into the water. Others injured themselves by landing on drifting wreckage and floating debris near the sinking ship. If you are wondering how they broke their necks jumping into the water, it's because of the design of life belts back then. When they hit the water, the life belt would shoot up and shoot their chin back rapidly, snapping the neck at the brainstem. As for the rescue, at 9.30 a.m., a Royal Air Force Coastal Command Short Sunderland flying boat flew over the survivors and dropped watertight bags containing first aid kits, food, a message that help was coming, and cigarettes. I don't fault anyone for needing a drag of a cigarette after seeing what they had just witnessed and experienced. The aircraft circled above until about 1 p.m. when the Canadian C-Class destroyer HMCS St. Laurent arrived on the scene, scooping up 868 survivors, with 586 of these survivors being detainees. The injured were transported to Mearnskirk Hospital in Newtown Mearns, Glasgow, Scotland. One of the survivors was a well-known athletics coach at the time, Mr. Franz Stamfel. On July 3, 1940, the UK War Cabinet received a report on the sinking, but its impact was vastly overshadowed by the Royal Navy attack on Mers el-Kabir, French Algeria, that sank elements of the French battle fleet. The attack was on neutral French Navy ships as part of Operation Catapult and took precedence over the sinking of SS Arendora Star to the UK War Cabinet. On July 30, 1940, the first body was found, and it was that of 71-year-old Ernest Moruzzi, and he was found at Cough Glass, Burtonport, Ireland. Four others were found that day, and during August of 1940, 213 more bodies washed up on the Irish coast, of which 35 were identified as being from Arendora Star, 92 of which were unidentified, but were still potentially from Arendora Star. Captain Moulton was posthumously awarded Lloyd's War Medal for Bravery at Sea, one of four Lloyd's Medal types bestowed by Lloyd's of London, an insurance and reinsurance market located in London, England. Captain Burnfiend was posthumously cited for his heroism in the sinking, and Canadian Commander Harry DeWolf was also cited for his heroism in the evacuation. Remember Arendor Star's sister ships from earlier? They too were all tragically sunk by U-boats. SS Avalona Star was the first to sink by U-43 on June 30, 1940, southwest of Land's End, England. The second was SS Arendora Star that sank off the Aran Isles, Ireland, on July 2, 1940. The third of the Luxury Five to sink was SS Almeida Star, sunk by U-96 on January 17, 1941, west of the Outer Hebrides in the United Kingdom. SS Avila Star was torpedoed and sunk by U-201 on July 5, 1942, northeast of the Azores, Portugal. The final sister of the Luxury Five to sink was SS Andalusia Star, and she was sunk by U-107 on October 6, 1942, west of Monrovia. It is a tragedy that all five of these beautiful liners were lost during the war. Rest in peace to the victims of these incidents.
The wreck of Arendora Star lies off the coast of Ireland, near the Aran Isles, and many of the bodies of the victims were swept away by the currents to various points in Ireland and the Herbrides. The victims were buried in various places. Luigi Tapero, an internee from Edinburgh, and John Connolly, a Levout scout, lie buried side by side in a small graveyard of Termincara, Bulmet, County Mayo, in Ireland. Belmullet Gardai received a call from Anag Head that yet another body had been found there, and from the service book they found on the body, it was identified as a trooper in the Royal Dragoons, Frank Carter from Kilburn, London. He was identified by Garda Sergeant Burns. The body of 49-year-old Cesar Camozzi from Isio, Italy, was found washed up on the Inishowen Peninsula in Ireland, and he is buried at Sacred Heart Graveyard, Cardinal. 46 German civilian detainees being shipped from England to Canada are buried in the German War Cemetery in Glencree. One of these men was a former KPD member of the Reichstag, Karl Olbrich. E.G. Lane, a private in the Devonshire Regiment, washed up on the beach near Ballycastle, County Mayo, and he is buried in the local cemetery there. In 2009, the Mayo Peace Park Committee rededicated his grave. An unidentified sailor, only known for his tattoo that said Chrissy, was found on the shores near New House on the coast of Kintyre, Argyll, and was buried at the local churchyard of Calais. Many other victims were found and buried in many places, but these are some of the ones that we are aware of. The wreckage of one of SS Arendora Star's lifeboats still remains visible at Knock Volagun Beach on the Ross of Mull, largely buried in sand, but with its iron suspension hooks remaining above the sand. If you happen to visit this lifeboat, you will find a photograph of it from 1969 and an eyewitness account by Miss Bella McLennan found there. In 2006, this lifeboat was photographed, showing how the sand has built up around it over time. This episode hopes to honor the victims and survivors of the sinking of SS Arendor Star and to bring awareness to the tragedy. Submarines and U-boats contributed to many, many sinkings during World War I and World War II, and all of their victims deserve to be remembered. Once again, thank you to Brian Cronin for the suggestion to cover SS Arendor Star. Tune in next week to hear us cover your second suggestion. Thank you for tuning in to Shipwreck Sunday. If you liked this episode and are listening on YouTube, please give us a like, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. If you liked this episode and are listening on Spotify, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, or another podcast service, please subscribe for more content and leave us a five-star review as it does help us reach more listeners like you. If you have any ships you'd like us to cover, please leave us a comment and we'll put it on our schedule. Check out Speed Force Media on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at ShipwreckSunday. Tune in next Sunday for the story of SS Justicia, a ship operated by the White Star Line and sunk off the coast of Ireland. We also have exciting news for you, shipwreckers. There will be a Halloween special released tomorrow at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Halloween Day on the Mary Celeste, a famous ghost ship. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.